You mean we need more than one chance sometimes, Pat? Man, I'm surprised. Wow, at least. So if you're interested in participating in Every Man's Battle, see Marcus um, so that I can order the right number of books. Uh, I want to congratulate Jasmine on getting a job and moving into second phase. I expect you to make a mountain Mike pizza called the Big Mike. All right. I'll tell you what to put on it. Uh, congratulations to Alicia for getting an A on her paperwork. Yeah. Or wait, 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 wait. An A on her schoolwork. She's trying to get her, uh, her diploma. Amen. So that's pretty exciting. Amen. All right. And Anthony, thank you for spending your birthday with us. Anthony, stick your hand up. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's sing, let's sing happy, come on, you guys, let's sing happy birthday to Anthony. Speed it up. You guys all sounded like you were on downers. I mean, it was like so slow. Man, he was about ready to have his next birthday. So, and, and we are next Monday night is six months from Christmas, right? So we're going to celebrate Christmas in July. So come out next week. We're going to have all the goodies and lunch meat and tamales. And we're going to have a good time. All right. Christmas in July. It was funny because Dorothy was really excited about Christmas in July, and she was like, well, aren't you really excited about Christmas in July, Pastor Mike? And uh, I wasn't saying anything, and, and then Tammy Dwell was there, and she said, well, don't you know that Christmas is Mike's worst day of the year? And Dorothy said, oh, oh, I didn't know that, so we don't have to do it. No, we, we do. Sometimes when things are hard, that's when we need to do it. Amen? Jump in and do it. Change your attitude. Right, so I'm going to be super, super excited for next week. We're going to get some Christmas decorations out, get some Christmas lights out. We're going to have some hot cider. We're going to have some tamales, and we are going to have a good time. Amen? So now coming out at 6 o'clock lasts all the way through Labor Day in September. So every Monday, starting at 6 o'clock, we will have all the goodies out, the games, the popcorns, the peanuts, the drinks. And it's just a time for us to fellowship and spend time with one another and just get to hang out. There was a chess board out there. Anybody play chess? Oh, hey, come good. All right. First time. Good for you. Amen to that. So good. So I'm going to go ahead and read my text, and then we will start going. I'm really excited to be back. It seems like I haven't been up here. Well, I haven't been up here for like three weeks. We've had a lot of, I was out of town at a conference, and then we had a couple of special events. So I'm really super excited to be back up here and continue to go through the book of Romans. So we are in Romans 2. We're going to pick it up in verse 9. It says, there will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For, for God does not show favoritism when the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though 
They have never had God's written law. And the Jews who have had God's law will be judged by that law um, if they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God, for it is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Even the Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts, in their own consciousness, and their thoughts, excuse me, and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they were doing right. Verse 16, and the message, the message that I proclaim that this day that God, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> message that I proclaim that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Whoo, man! And if you're going to sit there and say, well, I don't have a secret life, I would, I, would, I would say that's not being totally honest, right? So years ago, um, when uh, I had the opportunity to go to Delancey Street, I think a lot of people have heard of Delancey Street. It's in San Francisco. It's on the Embarcadero. It's a non-secular program that has generally about 550 residents. It's very strict, super, super strict. What, your first year is blackout, so all of you guys that say, 45 days of blackout, are you kidding me? Come on, go try a year, amen? I, 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 most of you will say, well, that's why I didn't go to, that's why I came to the bridge, it's shorter. Um, but I went to what's called the Delancey Street Institute, it was like 600 bucks, and you get to spend two days there, and you get to glean from Delancey Street. And I was super excited, because I'm always looking on ways to communicate better and do things better and do things smarter and make things better for people that are in the program. It's kind of what we, we, we strive to always be a little bit better. So I was super excited when the Q&A time came and I shot my hand up in the air and I said, can I have a copy of your rule book? Because I wanted to know what kind of rules and guidelines that they need to keep 650 cohabitating men and women. Yeah, you got that part? <laughs> Same place. All right, you catching me? What are they doing that keeps them in line? It's got to be good, right? They have got to have, who would think they got to have some really solid rules? Anybody? So, the lady said, well, we don't have a rule book. I said, what? I said, I got 42 men and women. I got like 37 pages. Why on earth, like I'm going to school them, why on earth would you not have a rule book? And what the answer was is something like what's, what we just read in Scripture. They are grown men and women. They know right from wrong. Nobody has to tell them when they're doing something wrong. They know what they're about to do is either right or it's wrong. Right? So why should I spend the time and the money creating and editing and updating annually the rules that people can say, I didn't remember or I didn't know? So we don't have, we have what's called common sense. And I was just like, phew, blown away. Really blown away. 
But when I started preparing a few weeks ago for this study, it made sense, right? Because really think about it. Like I always tell the house leaders, if someone comes up and asks you if they can do something, the only reason they're asking is because they already know the answer is no, right? Or else they wouldn't be asking. They would just do it, right? If you, didn't, if you have to ask to do it, then you, you're hoping to get a different answer than you know that you should be getting. Because if you have to ask, you know that you're not supposed to do it anyway. Or else you would just do it and you wouldn't ask. Well, I'm allowed to eat breakfast, so why do I have to ask, right? Right? It doesn't say in the rules that I can't borrow the bridge van without asking and go down to Papa Chevo's and buy burritos. <laughs> right? See? So when you start getting all sideways, so... What, what this text is saying when we start out here in verse 9, um, so let's start going through the text. It really makes a lot of sense, chapter 2. It says, there will be trouble and calamity for everyone. He's speaking about the Jew and the Gentile, right? All right. For all who do good, first for the Jew and for the Gentile, for the God does not show favoritism. When the Gentile sins, they will be destroyed even though they never had God's written law. Well, that doesn't seem fair if they didn't know the rules, right? Well, it says in Romans 2.14, it says, when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what is required are the law to themselves, even though they do not have the law, they show that the works of the law is written on their heart. We all know the difference between right and wrong, don't we? Right? Amen? Nobody has to tell you the thing you're about to do is wrong. Right? You already know it's wrong. Or else, you know, why do you sneak around to do it? Right? If you know that it's wrong to drive to Salinas and call the connection and, you know, and, and have him meet you. My favorite meeting place was Home Depot. I would call the connection. He would meet you at Home Depot. I knew it was wrong. That's why we were meeting at Home Depot. Or else, why wouldn't I tell him to meet me in front of the Salinas Police Department where it's safer? <laughs> right? Hey, bro, meet me in front of the Salinas PD so I can score an ounce. Right? See what I'm saying? I knew what I was doing was wrong, so I was sneaking around. And what, what Paul is saying here is you don't necessarily need the law to know the difference between right and wrong, right? Don't we all, is there, let me put it, is there anybody in this room that doesn't know the difference between right and wrong? No. We all know the difference between right and wrong. It's whether or not we decide to follow the rule. You know, see, rules are put in place for, for our protection. They are. The speed limit is put in place, even though when I'm on my way to LA, I want to get there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed but I also know that I risk getting a ticket and I'm willing to pay the ticket and I'm going to be really nice to the highway patrolman because it's not his fault. They had to pull me over and give me a ticket. I'm not going to make him feel like a jerk or ask to see the radar or go to court and fight it because I know what I'm doing. I'm choosing to do something wrong. But they're put there for a reason. You know, statistics show that the more they lower the speed limit, the more it saves lives, right? So there's reasons they say don't feed the bears at at the zoo, right? Are there's reasons when someone gets bit by a shark at Lover's Point, they, they put out the sign for a few days saying, don't swim. 
You know, I had Richie calling me every day. Is it okay to swim yet, Pastor Mike? I hate that. Right? You know, so I I did what every good red-blooded American husband does. I said, Michelle says no. Right? I said, I don't know. Do you feel like being a shark snack today? Right? So, so even stuff like that, he wasn't sure. It's not saying that he was trying to do something wrong, but there was that doubt in his, even in his mind, should I be doing this? Let me see. A guy just got bit by a shark, so should I go look like a seal flopping around the water? Because I really don't know how to swim that good, right? We're always worried about him drowning anyway, so now it's drowning or shark attack, right? So, but we know what's right and what's wrong. We don't need anybody to tell us that. We don't need to have, like, just like Delancey Street, I don't need to give 650 adult men and women rules. They know the difference between right and wrong. And they manage to do what they do. I, I, Vanessa's shaking her head. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I don't know. Because I agree it's a pain annually going through the rules. Hey, we're not really following that one. Should we take it out? Or maybe we should add that. We agonize sometimes for weeks on end going through the rules, trying to decide what rules that we should have. Because there's always a way around a rule. Right? Right? There is. There's always, well, you didn't say that we couldn't do this. You know, we used to have a rule that the residents could go around the corner and smoke. Well, you're smoking on your bunk. Well, you didn't say that I couldn't smoke on my bunk. It just said to smoke around the corner. You didn't say I couldn't smoke on the front porch, right? I mean, they knew, but it's just pushing and pushing. But we can tend to do that with God, can't we? We can tend to have that little secret life that nobody knows about. Marcus even said when he stood up here, there are areas in my life that I have and do struggle in. So I'm going to publicly say that. I'm going to get some other dudes that are maybe struggling with the same thing, and we can get together and commonly talk about them. And it will be him, not me, because nobody wants to tell me, right, that they're struggling or they're slipping up, right? I don't know why I would totally be okay with being understanding, you know. I really would. But I I understand the hesitation. I have a boss, too, right? I have to think, would I want to go tell Nate that? I'll just hang out with Marcus and tell him, right? <laughs> so that's the reason Mark, Marcus will be with the group, and the group will be going to, through the book together. So there is no leader. There is no anybody pointing the finger. We're just men that are struggling, and we want to know how to do it better. And that's what it's about, amen, right? You don't need to know the things you're doing is wrong because you're already struggling with them in your heart. You already feel like, I probably shouldn't be doing this, Right? Let's look at the Jews. The Jews had the law, but they, they couldn't even follow the law because here's the deal. You have the law, you have the written law, and the way that works is you have to follow how many of the rules to be saved? How many? All of them. How often? All the time. I just told you I cannot drive to Los Angeles without intentionally speeding, right? Didn't I just say that? I did, right? 
So therefore, I would be a law, a law breaker. I would be a rule breaker. And so therefore, I would not be fit to have a relationship with, with God, right? But the beauty of the New Testament is that the law was abolished, right? The law was just there to show you that you couldn't do it anyway, right? Because most of us, the reason that we're here is because we weren't following just the basic rules of society. If I ask you to raise your hand, I would probably venture to guess about 80% of this room has been to jail. Right? Amen. I'm in good company. Amen? I love it! Yes! Come on! I'm not saying that I'm proud of that, but what I'm saying is we are a group of men and women that have all struggled with the same thing, and we can come together as a united front to talk, to pray, to encourage, to lift up, to understand, to exhort one another to do better. You know, when Alicia was given the opportunity to go to the adult school, and they all told her, hey, you should just do the high set or the GED. It's easier. You'll get it like that. She said, no, I want the whole thing. I want to graduate. I want a cap. I want a gown. I want to walk, right? Amen to that, right? She wants to do it right, right? Now, when we met her, she was out running around Alameda, some of my old stomping grounds, right? Amen. And she was running wild like a wild child, right? So what I'm saying is, and I'm not trying to give credit to us, but what I'm saying is because she came here and because, as it says in the book of Romans, because she is surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, right? She is surrounded by a group of people that are going to say, don't take the easy way out, right? Encourage her, lift her up, celebrate when she gets an A, right? Help her out, be there for her. Right? When you see her on Mondays, encourage her, hey, how is study hall going? Right? How is your studying going? How is your, how are your, how is your testing going? Encourage her because that's what we do as a group. That's why when you say, well, I, well I, yeah, I understand it. I've been to jail too. Yeah, I understand it. I've, been to four, I've, I've only been to four rehabs. Uh, this is funny. One time we were, and I think I've shared this before. One time we were driving in like three bridge vehicles to a Giants game. Because we, we try to do that to enjoy ourselves. And Mark um, was our house manager at the time. And he was in one of the vans. Wasn't driving because he couldn't drive for us. Too many Deweys. And uh, he, he called me in the other end. He said, and we were just outside of the city of San Francisco. Just outside of city limits. Getting close to the ballpark. He called me and said, hey, Mike, interesting. We were just talking in the van and do you know in this van full of bridge guys, there are a combined 25 DUIs? <laughs> I said, well, I bet all the people on the freeway, if they knew that, wouldn't feel very safe. Um, but what excited me about that was, that was 25 DUIs that are going bye-bye. That is, that is a bunch of guys that are saying, that's not me anymore. I'm not going to drink and drive anymore. I'm not going to go to jail anymore. I'm not going to throw my life away anymore. I'm not going to 
be that person anymore. I'm going to do what is right. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to move forward. That's what it means, and that's what it is. So as Paul is going through this, he's saying, yeah, the Jews had the rules, but they didn't follow them anyway. If you had them, you wouldn't follow them anyway, but we are all, my grandma used to tell me that because I would do something wrong, and I would tell her that I would do something, I would tell on myself, always told on myself, right? And, she, and I would ask her, how come I, and one time I remember I was crying, I said, how come I always tell on myself? And she said, because you have God put a moral compass inside of your heart. And I was in Boy Scouts, so I understood what a compass was. When you're lost, you pull out your trusty compass, and it points, which way? True north, right? And so a compass is designed to help you find your way. If you know how to read Forest Service maps, and if you're out in the forest, there are tags nailed to trees that you can go in your area and you can find that tag. You can find it on your map. And it's kind of like the cheater maps at Disneyland, right? Or we went to the Pinnacles a few weeks ago and we kind of got a little bit turned around because we did the entire loop of the hole out of one side and into the other. And we went to the cheater map that says what? You are here, right? <laughs> I like those. So much easier than the Forest Service maps, right? You are right here right now. And so what Paul is saying is, you are here, you know the truth. It's already written on your heart from the beginning of time. Before you were born, God wrote the truth on your heart, knowing who you would be, knowing that you would struggle, knowing that you would be sitting here tonight, knowing that you would be really trying. So my encouragement to us tonight is if, if you're having some of those things inside of you, that little secret, like, hiding thing that nobody knows. Well, that's not true, right? God knows. God's no, God knows what's going on, correct? Because we don't like what it says. Verse 12, when the Gentiles sin, it says they will be what? It says they will be destroyed. So let's look at that. So when we sinned and did the things that we did, what happened to our life? It was destroyed, right? We did. We destroyed our we destroyed friendships, we destroyed jobs, we destroyed relationships, right? So we had a season of that, right? And then we we snapped out of it, or we someone invited us to church, or or we were filled with the Holy Spirit and and, and we we agreed to serve God wholeheartedly, right? Just like we just heard. Yes. I'll do whatever it takes. We get to that point because we know that where we were heading, it says right there, they will be destroyed, right? So if you decide to continue doing the things that you're doing, you're not going to prosper. Things are not going to get better, right? Um, I'm looking at, uh, at, at Mike back here because we, uh, well, we used to run together when he was in the bridge. Um, all, like every day, every day, almost probably 80% of his time, 80, when you say 80 or 90% of the year we ran, right? Probably every day. And, uh, we like to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. You know, it's like when Michelle and I went on a cruise, we both dropped 40 pounds so we can eat while we're on the cruise. And we got up in the morning, we would say, we're going to eat here, we're going to eat here, and then we're going to spend an hour and a half on the track running so we can get healthy? No. So then we can eat here, 
because I want to do the roast beef sandwich place again. I want to do the pizza and the cookies at bedtime again. And we were, would you know we were on day three of our cruise before I found out room service was free? <laughs> I felt cheated. I want the sausage, the bacon, the ham, the eggs benedict, the pancakes, the waffles. Michelle's like, you're not going to eat. I don't care. I'll just pick at it and sit outside the door. Right? I was like, I felt cheated. No one told me. But the point I'm trying to make is if you're trying to lose weight, you're not going to do it unless you show self-control. If you're trying to change the trajectory of your life, you're not going to do it if you don't have control. You're not going to do it if you say, well, that's probably not the best idea. Well, I probably shouldn't do that. Or well, maybe I should give that a second thought. Or if I, maybe if I'm struggling with it too much, maybe I'm going to tell somebody, hey, you know what? Can you really keep me from doing that? You know, don't let me do that. Don't let me sneak out and don't let me do that, right? Don't let me eat cheese and crackers when I'm not supposed to eat crackers. <laughs> Somebody told on you. I said, you can't buy them crackers. They're not keto. Don't matter. I'm going to stick Mike and Terry on you. You go, you go get them, Terry and Mike. Amen. All right. So anyway, <laughs> there it is. All right. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's always about food. Sorry. I have a problem. Um, um. So, but I know that I want my life to change. Okay, so I would say my life has changed, right? I, I would, but could my life be better, right? It could. I could always go a little bit further. I could always grow, go a little bit deeper, you know? I was uh, going to Andronico's today, and um, I walked into the store, and I ran across a lady, um, that I, I, I've known for so many years. And when I was strung out, I was working for her. And I was, I was stealing so much money from her. I mean, so much money. And then she confronted me about it. And I, 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 I admitted that I was stealing from her. And then I ended up going into the hospital. Or no, I got arrested. And so when she called to have me do some more work, did my sweet, precious wife say, oh, Mike's sick, he can't work today? Is that what she told my customer? No, he's in jail for heroin use. He got arrested at a customer's house. So, when I got out of jail and contacted the customer, she said, I still, I want to continue to work with you. you I, I hope you realize what you did was wrong. And I said, I did. I, I realized it was so wrong, and I'm so very sorry. She said, okay. And then I continued to work with her for a number of years. Right? I saw her today in the store, and she didn't put that in my face. She didn't have to put that in my face because 
the whole time I was talking to her, I was just, just eaten up inside. I just felt so guilty, so bad, so condemned for what I did. You know, and she's like, how's Michelle? How's the kids? How's the grandkids? How's the bridge? You know, the bridge is good, you know. And asking me, just we, we spent a lot of time talking. And when I walked away, I felt encouraged because that reminded me so much of my relationship with God. Right? I'm not saying Fran is God. I'm saying she never brought up my past. She was only celebrating my present and, and my future. Right? God isn't here to remind you and to beat you up and to point fingers at you and you and you and you disappointed me so many times. You know, I just thank God we don't get what we deserve. Right? Because I wouldn't want to stand next to any of you in a lightning storm. Right? Myself neither. So, but this whole chapter, whole chapter two has been kind of a give and take. If you do good, you're going to be rewarded. If you do bad, you're not going to be rewarded. But who, when we don't do well, who suffers? When we're kind of living on the edge and we're kind of living that little bit dishonest life, who, who suffers? We do because we never fully get God's blessing. God is probably up there saying, man, I want to bless this person so stinking bad, but they won't quit doing stupid stuff long enough to let me do it, right? Isn't that true? So it's when we, when we, when we do something that we shouldn't do, first of all, you already know before you do it, you shouldn't be doing it. Why else would they call it sneaking around? I can always tell when somebody's up to something. Okay, they just start looking around because they want to know who's looking. Well, if you're looking around to see who's looking, that thing you're about ready to do, you probably shouldn't do it, right? You probably shouldn't, you know? The way I, the, I like now, I don't care if a cop's behind me because I don't have dope hidden in my car, right? I don't have a gun hidden in my car, you know? My license plate actually belong in my car, right? <laughs> You know, I've stole license plates. I've stole stickers. I've done all of that. I've got, I got caught for it too, you know. But I don't, I don't do those things anymore, so I don't have to worry. I don't have to wonder. I can, if I get pulled over, I know more than likely I did something that I should probably get in trouble for. Whether or not I agree with it. Yeah, oh, you were speeding, okay. Unless I wasn't, then, you know, the, you know, you know I might argue a little bit. Huh, are you sure I was speeding? But the beauty is, generally when I get pulled over in Monterey County and they run my license and they run the registration on the vehicle, because I'm doing things so differently now, they come back and they say, oh, the bridge. Oh, you guys do good work. Make sure you wear your seatbelt next time or, or slow down or make sure you stop a little bit longer before you go. You know what I'm saying? And the reason they're saying those things to me is because they recognize the name of the program when they run the registration. They know it's registered to the bridge. So, but that didn't just happen overnight. And that didn't happen without work. And that didn't happen without not taking the easy way out. Right? That happened intentionally by intentionally doing what is hard instead of doing what's easy. Right? And doing it consistently and doing it persistently 
and continue doing it. Well, when do I stop? When you're dead. You know, when you're dead. You know, do you, can, do you plan on doing this? We handed a thing out to all of our leaders at the bridge, and we uh, asked them, how long do you plan on staying in your role, current role at the bridge? And, and of course, one of, one of our leaders wants to get married next year, so whatever. <laughs> Didn't really like you anyway, Vanessa. So. Yeah. Well, at least we got a year, right? Yeah. And, and, and Tommy, it's funny, Tommy put, Tommy put the same answer as I put. Tommy said he is on the toe tag plan, which means when the coroner wheels him out of the room that he dies in at the bridge, and he'll leave, right? And that's not even by choice then, right? It's because they're wheeling him out. So... Because he feels like he can continue to grow in his relationship with God. He feels like he can continue to grow and to help others grow during that time. You know, even Vanessa asked me when, my, when I get married and my time as a leader at the bridge and the current role is over, how can I serve? All right? So you guys should be asking yourselves, how can I serve? Maybe you're a mom. And your your and your answer is serve your children. Maybe you're a husband and your answer is serve your wife. Or maybe your wife and your answer is serve your husband. It doesn't mean you have to go, you know, go be a missionary to Africa or you know, travel all over the country and move into a men's home or a women's home or become a worship leader or a pastor. You know, ask God, how can I serve where I'm at? You know. Jasmine is learning to be a mom, right? So she's learning how how to be a good mom, right? So would I expect her to sign up for a missions trip where she's going to be gone for six months? No. Her role right now, the answer that God is going to give her is, no, you need to grow in your role as a mom. So you guys, we should all ask God, what is, what is your plan for my life? Not what is my plan. What is, what is your plan? We're always trying to send Marcus to Africa, and we're always trying to, you know, we are, right? Aren't we? And Mark, you know, Roy, we, Michelle and I, we're always trying to, hey, you, need, you know, you should go here, you should go there. What you really should do is ask God, where, what do you want to do with me? If you want me to stay here, if you want me to work at Second Chance, if you want me to um, be a ministry leader, if that's what you want me to do, then do it and do it the best you can. Amen? Because that's what it's about. You know, we have to take the, the whole thing out of Scripture and say, this is not complicated, this is not college-level stuff. This is simply Paul saying, don't nobody need to tell you what's right and what's wrong. You already know. And you should do what's right. And if you don't know what's right, ask somebody. Ask God what's right. And ask your roommate, hey, is this thing... Should I really crawl out of my window tonight and go across to the Valero and meet so-and-so? Probably not. Probably not. It's probably not a good idea, right? Yeah. All the girls are saying, no, no, not me. It's not. Of course not. But our heart sometimes wants something else. Right? It does. We think we're in love. Right? But the Bible, so it talks about the heart, but also the heart is exceedingly what? Above what? Above all else. Right? So we can't follow our emotions. A relationship with God is not us following our emotions. 
A relationship with God is following his orders for our life, right? If you want to find your life, you're supposed to do what? Does that make sense to anybody? That was one of the most confusing things when I first became a believer. It's like, wait a minute. If I get lost, I'm found. If I, yeah, what? Right? What? Does it, huh? what? So if I intentionally lose myself, God's going to find me. Okay. I'll try it. Because you're right. Amen. We have to get to that point in our life where we're going to say, you know what? I'm going to go all in. I'm going to follow. Like that song, I have decided, right? To follow who? No turning what? No turning back. Right? So that means you've got to forget what's behind you. You've got to cut ties. Sometimes it's cutting out friends. Sometimes it's cutting out relationships. Sometimes it's cutting out family. You know, people are like, oh, gosh, I feel so bad. Well, you can't. Because if God is calling you into a certain direction and there are people that are holding you back, you've got to cut them out of your life. Or else you're never going to do that thing that God has for you, and you're, you're never going to know the true blessings of your life. You know what I mean? And we all want to know what the true blessings in our life are. Do you know how good that she is going to feel when she walks across the stage knowing that she did not take the shortcut, right? And I'm going to be there screaming until I lose my voice, right? Like a fool, right? Because I'm going to be excited because somebody decided to take the hard way. Somebody decided to take the long way. Does anybody know what a shortcut is? It's the longest distance between two points. Because generally a shortcut costs us more, doesn't it? Because we take the easy way out, we have to redo it. Or we have to go back and do it again. Or because we're not satisfied. You know, I got that, but I could have got that. It's like when you go buy the iPhone 7 and you're like, but I could have bought the 13. Right, exactly, right? Amen? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. I know that. <laughs> I know that about myself. But don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself short, please. If you have anything you need to get off your heart or your chest, do your business with God. Find somebody to help you out. Hey, help me point these things out to me when I do them because I want to change them. I want to be better in the things that I'm doing. I know the truth. I know what's right. Nobody needs to tell me. And I'm going to take what's right because God wrote it on my heart and I'm going to do those things. I'm going to move forward. My life's going to begin to change. Things are going to happen for me that I never thought they would ever happen before, right? And it's pretty exciting when those things start to happen. And that's what we call in the Bible bearing fruit. Wow, I, I, I got a job. I have benefits. I get to f- pay taxes. I just bought a new car. I have money in the bank, right? The dope man's not looking for me, right? Those are all things that feel good. But those are all things that we have to intentionally do. We have to intentionally do that. We have to intentionally fellowship. And we have to intentionally seek and follow Jesus. I asked the bridge guys this morning, I said, if I was to go around the room and ask you, what are two things that you wish you could do more of this week? And um, I asked one guy in particular, and he said, well, I could work out more. I could read my Bible more. I could do homework more. I said, so let's cut out the working out. Let's do so why don't this week, why don't you do more homework, because he's doing the same classes, and do more Bible reading? Because sometimes we have to work more on our spiritual health than our physical body, right? 
Because you are not, let me repeat, you are not impressing God with your physique. You know? <laughs> One of the beauties about the bridge is we have cameras on the exterior, and I've said this before, of the house. And so the weight pile is out in the backyard by the shed that has all the supplies for the guys, right? And during certain times of the day when they're, they're out there working out the way the sun is shining, the, the window on the shed becomes like a mirror. <laughs> but what these guys don't stop to think about is there's a camera inside of the shed, right? Because we want to know if, like, if somebody was to break into the shed and, like, steal extra soap or something, you know? <laughs> so I love it because t Tommy will text pictures to me of people like, you know, like just, like, right? Am I wrong? No, I'm not. I've seen the pictures, all right? All right. So that doesn't impress God, right? Right? Oh, I am so impressed. You should see it, ladies. Yeah, oh, we want to. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, but let me tell you, God would be far more impressed looking down on 225 Central at people sitting in the house reading their Bibles. Amen? And then people doing those. Maybe I'm just jealous because I can't do them. I don't know. I don't know. Could be, right? I've never been a muscle man. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Amen? So I'm going to invite Pat to come out and close us with a song. Um, but really, honestly, guys, just uh, think about what was said tonight during worship. Just think honestly about how you want to serve God in your life. Think about what God wants you to do to serve him. And, and understand, you don't need anybody to tell you what the rules are. You don't need anybody to tell you what's right and what's wrong because you already know those things. Whether or not you choose to follow them, that is only on you and you and you. And I'm not pointing at anybody in particular, right? Or maybe I am, no. <laughs> I'm not, so. But only know, that's why the title of this message is written on your heart. What has God written on your heart? And what is God tugging on your heart asking you to do? or where he wants you to spend more time. So prayerfully consider that, think about it, and start to, start to move toward those things and start to do some of those things and watch as your life changes. You know, I can look at Stephen and remember all the times that I would follow him down the street, getting high, begging him to, like, get into my car. Um, and now... You know, he has his, his Class A license, he's working, he's got a really good job, you know. Is he perfect? No. Does he have a lot to work on? Yes, right? Like we all do. But how much better it is now than it was then. But it didn't happen without struggle and it didn't happen without hard work. So, Lord, we thank you for your written word. We, Lord, we thank you that you have, as my grandma told me when I was so young, that you put a moral compass in our heart and we know how to find you and we know what's right and we know what's wrong. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.